3: Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is, of course, brought to you by the ChairShot Radio Network on Chairshot.com. We remind you to always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Make sure you like and subscribe on all of your podcasting platforms to us. We're amazeballs. Also... Since we're a balls, head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash chair shot and get yourself some of that awesome, sweet, sweet chair shot merch. The Bandwagon Nerds t shirt is selling like no cakes. That's right, not hot cakes, no cakes. I think we sold two guys, and one was to myself. So, fans, be fans. $19.99, a few dollars more for soft style. It'll be worth it. Is the other one to DP. you, Tony? DP has one. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, there you go. DP and Patrick go down representing the brand. By the way, Tony, you notice dave is wearing the uh the best star wars shirt ever what's it in between the star wars there dave what are you repping there what's it saying? says the jedi. last jedi yes. last jedi that's right even dave who talks about the rise of skywalker knows that the last jedi is the best of the sequel trilogies don't let him deny it he's going to try to say it was a gift uh, it's a somebody, lie somebody who it's got a it lie. for me for
4: christmas go,
3: Nope, see liars no nope, liars you love it. You love it it's your favorite. Dude, guys, I got I got some news. Breaking news happening day of recording here on this K Monday. This is O'Dowd Relented. PlayStation five will be mine on real Monday, not K Monday. That's right. I'm getting I'm getting a PS five. Thank you. Thank you, video. Work hard. There's a lot of um,
0: Guess what comes out? Well, you can get it Tuesday or you get it Monday night if you go with the deluxe edition, but otherwise Friday Madden 24 comes out. So there you go.
3: Ooh, I uh, keep waiting for the EA Sports College football game. that's never coming out, like yeah. never well, coming out because college football does not exist anymore. Down is up. Up is down. Rest in peace. The Pac-12. Uh, Dave, uh, how does it feel to know that you're going to be watching football games at like four in the morning when USC or UCLA heads out to Rutgers to play in Jersey. Hey man, nothing
4: says the Atlantic coast conference like Cal and Stanford, right? I mean, there you go.
3: Oh yeah. That's also, that's also Yeah.
4: That's that. I think, I think that's going to happen. They're just going to have to work out the money because Florida state's pitching about (laughs) compensation.
3: Yeah. They they just want to get paid. Uh, So folks, uh, you've heard both their voices. That's right. We've got three quarters of the OG bandwagon here on the show today. The lawyer himself, David Ungar, Mr. Saturday night, Kingpin of the Chair Shot Radio Network, PC Tunny. Don't let that Greg DeMarco shit
0: fool you. It's really Tony. That's, that's his He's, nickname though. He's the Kingpin. So I don't I don't I'm
3: good. I'm just PC Tunny. It's all good. He's PC Tunny. He is the real Kingpin. No um, no no just the real not, real yeah, Kingpin uh, of the Chair Shot Spoony Radio. spoon, spoon,
0: spoon. No down here. Hold on, buddy. Slow it down. Hey Tunny, I just thought you're like <laughs> You're like when
4: Flair showed up in WWE in 91. You're the real world champion. There you go.
3: See, Dave, if he was see, if he was the real king, if he was just the kingpin of the Chairshot Radio Network, I'd have access to uh, the site again. That's right. You could log uh, in at I, least. That's the, that's,
0: the, that's the website. You have definitely have access to Red Circle. So there you go. I see? definitely
3: do have access to Red Circle. That's true. And Noble Lister, you're probably wondering why this is the kind of banter we've got going on today, and that is because in the immortal words of Darius Rucker... But I got nothing. I got nothing at all today, everybody. This I is picked the trailer park this week, basically. Woohoo! That's right. We we are we are gonna, of course, cover I don't even know if you guys heard Darius Rucker say I got nothing there, but that's yeah, what okay. I had. Um here here's the thing. We are we we do have three hours of the Witcher season three to cover today. Uh, I, I loved that our good friend PC Tunney put out there in the Twitterverse. Like, don't bother me, I have to watch three hours of the Witcher. It puts like a little like tight lip sad face thing as if his oh it was eye rolling emoji, that's right, or what X Twitter calls an eye rolling emoji. And I, I I had but a simple response when I saw it this morning, nineteen hours later. Tony, what you remember what that was?
0: You remember what it was? Uh, yesterday at about ten thirty AM. Please don't bother me right now. I'm having the time of my life watching episodes three through five of season three of The Witcher i roll emoji at bandwagon nerds Patrick's reply this morning you did this to yourself
3: and you did do this to yourself because i mean you were here's the thing is you only did it to yourself because you suggested what i was going to tell you to do off air on air and so there you go congratulations to yourself uh we are definitely going to talk witcher three episodes three very good very solid season in my opinion i have enjoyed this season so far uh, we're doing this so that we can make sure that we get started. We do want to cover Ahsoka. It'll be the first uh, Star Wars show we've tracked episode by episode since Mandalorian Season 3. So it's been a while. We did not touch Andor. We did not touch... Um, we haven't touched a few things. We haven't, We never touched the Bad Batch. We've, um, we've not done as much Star Wars. So I think, both, I think the whole bandwagon, including Rey, is interested in the Ahsoka show. And so I think that that'll work out well. For a program I'm actually not going to uh, be there for to cover the first two episodes. The University of Massachusetts is opening, and that means Patrick O'Dowd uh, will not be there on the uh, 28th when that show drops. I uh, may not be there on the 21st when next week's shows drop. I do not know if I have to work yet or not. I will find out. Uh, I hope I don't have to, but I do trust Dave to, uh, to hold down the fort. Lose control of the inmates, running the asylum, T- all of that. Toney, I believe in you,
4: Tony. I got to ask you: Do you like the fact that Pat is saying he has to work when we know he'll be playing Baldur's Gate three, and that's why he won't be? I there.
3: won't. Baldur's Gate three doesn't come out for the PlayStation four or five until September second, sir. Oh,
1: so sucks. I will not
3: be. Um, it's only available. It's available on PC right now, which is where everybody's playing it. And I don't really like PC. So
0: that much. his kid will start hating him about a week after that game drops. He'll lose his job. No. About- Three weeks after that game drops, he'll be divorced. Follow Six up. months after the game drops, still follow, playing follow the third
3: statement. All <laughs> of that statement. The little O'Dowd who loves Dungeons and Dragons as well. The plan is because you can do multiplayer to see if we can do multiplayer functionality within the system so that he and I can play the game together.
4: I would so, imagine they've got to have a co-op
3: mode on that thing. Yeah, gotta absolutely. That's part of the appeal of the game is that you can form your own party or use pre-gen characters from them so i'm excited about that it's it is nice to to know that that technology is coming to my doorstep on actual monday not kayfabe monday where we are today i thought i was going to be able to get to the best buy and do the exchange today because i am trading out the playstation uh, rest in peace playstation 4 Um, likely means i'm gonna have to restart i I gotta i do think there's a way to do a data transfer that'll be step one before i put everything in the box and ship it to get my trading are you on the the
0: network are you on the playstation yeah It'll,
3: yeah. when it'll, it'll when you start your
0: PlayStation 5 it'll when you start your PlayStation 5 part of the setup will tell you to connect to Wi-Fi turn on your PlayStation 4 and it will transfer your shit over Wi-Fi mm-hmm.
3: excellent uh, so look forward to doing that anyway none of that matters because we got to toss a coin to our witcher this could be a shorter show today everybody we do have a few things to talk about but we really don't have a lot out there uh, i do want to make a passion plea for some shows when we get to what you are watching uh, <laughs> but let's start dave do you have some? Do you have Witcher music? I don't even know that. I
4: would have to look,
1: <laughs> since I transferred. Right, well, maybe we'll since find, I transferred
4: computers, witch- I'm like, I think there's something
3: there.
1: Is <laughs> the Witcher?
3: There you go. How's that? That's that's no no. Um, thank witch- you though. I appreciate the effort. At least you tried. Um, okay, well we're gonna imagine that <laughs> Witcher music played. They came
1: after me with masterful deceit broke down my loot, and they kicked in my teeth While the devil's horns minced our tender meat And so cried the Witcher, he can't be bleed Toss a coin to your Witcher, O Valley of Plenty O Valley of Plenty, oh Toss a coin to your Witcher, O Valley of plenty at the edge of the world fight the mighty horn that bashes and breaks you, and,
3: brings you to more. and we are going to go into episodes three four and five of the witcher when we last left geralt he had just battled this weird creature that was a strange amalgamation of these young women. There was a I think it was like three women, like their heads are sticking out of a cave wall while this weird fleshy body thing is attacking him. There is also a young woman in a pod, splits open the pod and within is a young woman who claims to be Ciri. Uh We learn very, very quickly in episode three that she is not in fact Siri. We also quickly reunite Geralt and Siri, like Sometimes traveling doesn't make sense on this show, guys. Is it just portaling everywhere? we just portaling people left and right? Is that how, like, they see to run, like, just out of nowhere, we're running into each other on a forested path. And it's like, we're back. There's something going on.
0: That was like a little ways into these, uh, these run. I mean, here's folks. I want to just preface everything we're about to talk about right now. Basically take episodes three, four, and five and consider it one giant episode because right. when we watch these things, that's what we're considering it. So we broke The Witcher down into three parts. Part two is what Patrick's talking about. And in part two, Patrick, I think it, it's a little bit before we get to that. We we do have the scuffle at the, the magic school first off, and that's why she runs that's away. And, you know, before that, Geralt is off uh, trying to... Oh, uh, trying to figure out what's up with this fake Siri and who she is and the potion that she's under at, at uh, hide now with his friends and a little reunion there. I think that's how it starts. Dave, let's go. Let's go to Dave, Patrick, because he hasn't told us anything about. Are you have you watched the whole season? Are you through episode? You've watched the whole episode season or five. Or five.
4: I'm done through five. Okay,
0: yeah. so We're all on the same page. Excellent.
4: Uh, I. I think, you know, first off, I, I'm with Patrick. I really enjoy this season so far. This is not Lock and Key Season 3. Don't do don't fool yourselves, folks. This is not the dumpster fire that that was. This is a solid... See, wherever they go from here, who knows? But as far as this season standing on its own, I think it's every bit... It's probably a little... I mean, the only complaint I have is there are so many moving parts and so many characters that it's hard to keep track of who everybody it's is.
3: very very game of thrones very much very game of thrones but it's I'm not watching, it's thanks. not as
4: tight as game of thrones is and and i think right. you know you've got a lot of uh, there's so many moving parts so many characters and it's like people are like i know i've seen this person before okay is Dredd's hairstyle changed triss's hairstyle has changed but it's like these are the same people from from uh the first season in a lot of respects but i you know the stuff that they're doing the 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 interrelation between Geralt and, and Yennefer is the best part of the show and and it's it's a relationship that yeah I don't know how that persists after the season is over but we'll see but I I think you know it's it's a it's a solid season I love the fact that they have brought the wild hunt into this thing and now made that tangible now they're actually physically manifesting and appearing as we saw and I forget it was I think it was episode three where they appear at the end and and series like shit they're real um, but I think that's that's a big part of it. But like you, you said, the Game of Thrones analogy is very apropos because there's a lot of politics going on. There's maneuvering, there's subterfuge, there's things going on. I will say episode five was fucking fantastic. Maybe my favorite episode of the entire series so far, the way that they structured that and put that together was brilliant. It, very Pulp Fiction-esque, how they peel back layers as it went along. So I, I stood up and applauded for episode five. That was really well done.
0: I was in the midst of watching everything back to back to back. Right. And so I'm like going on like two and a half hours, you know, two hours and 20 ish minutes. Cause that, that first part of, of the, that fifth episode, Happens in like the first 18 minutes of the episode, and I get up for a second, and I went to grab something out of the fridge. I hadn't started drinking yet. I was watching early in the day. I wanted to remember everything I watched because I didn't watch it the morning before. And by the time I sat back down, I'm watching the beginning of the party again, and I'm like, like what happened? No, no, seriously. I'm like, did I? Because I'm watching on my PlayStation Five, right? And if my if my controller was sitting on the armchair and it fell down, I hit a button and redid, and I hit the down button to see where I'm at. And I'm like, no, okay. What the and then I realized it. And yes, Dave, it was one of the best episodes in a streaming series in this type of mythical Game of Thrones superhero genre. One of the best episodes I've seen in a long frickin' time. It was so excellent the way they re-executed this scene three times and how epic it was each time building upon itself. It was it was so amazing. Like you're right. This and I said this to Patrick before the show. This season is just as good as season one. Season one just had the transformation of Yennefer and, and getting to know yeah. Geralt. So me, that's always better. But it's no it's no surprise that this story keeps getting better. The actual books, the real the real life author of these books is committed to writing a 10th book for this this saga and and says it won't take more than a year. And, and so this is. One strong.
3: He's not George R.R. R. Martin. No. That's what I'm hearing. And I, I was going to say,
4: episode five, I did make the analogy to a Pulp Fiction, but it's also a throwback to season one of The Witcher, which had the time jumps that threw so many people right. off in season one, where it's like, where are we? What's going on? And this was, it was just my wife had told me about it before I watched. She said, you're really going to like the way they lay this episode out. And she was absolutely right. Because, yeah, it's, it's like, wait, why are they fighting? Is this a, and then, you know, you realize it's not till the end. That it all comes together to clicks, and then they flip it on you again at the very end, and it's not what you thought was going on. And it's like, oh, okay. So yeah, I thought, they were huh?
0: <laughs> and they were wrong. They, they were wrong. wrong, and they're wrong on top of it. Like I can't remember the the high magic priest off or something.
3: You're talking about yeah. So the the suspicion is that Stregobor is is the one pulling the strings who is eating the fire mage and it's kind of the quote-unquote big bad. What is later revealed is that it's really Vilgefortz, Vilgefortz, who is the, uh, consort of one, uh, to say to head Yeah.
0: The magic school, basically. Right. She's she the animal. head
3: of like between the two of them, like they're lovers. He's the one that is the guy pulling the strings and they figure it out, uh, right at the end. And that's kind of the big reveal. Uh, yeah, I I can't this like this is very much like watching like, this episode was very much like watching uh any sort of like mystery film. Uh whether it be like a uh an Agatha Christie novel like uh Murder on the Orient Express or even Clue where they they peel back the onion to show you the layers underneath as to how you actually got where you you got. Uh and so It's Yeah, it's been very well structured, very well done. And that is also, while in between, continuing to highlight the bond that Yennefer, Siri, and Geralt have as a family. This family, here's the thing, guys, is you you guys are talking about where this is going to end. Episode 8, this family's fucking wrecked. Like, whatever is about to happen in between, this family is fucking wrecked, whether that is a dead Geralt, whether that is a gone Geralt, whatever it means with Henry Cavill and his departure. Um, uh, the thing that annoys me is that the season has been so good that I'm like, it sucks that he had creative differences and chose to depart the show. Like, that's what sucks out of this is that whatever they, they couldn't work out what they needed to work out.
4: Yeah. I mean, and I know the running joke has been my man crush on Henry Cavill, but it's so hard when you watch the performance that he puts in to imagine and no disrespect to Liam Hemsworth, but it's like, you look at it and say, how is he possibly going to deliver a performance that a will be as good as Cavill's and B won't just suffer horribly by comparison, even if it's unfair. Uh, I just like, it's such an iconic, it it feels like, you know, we talk about Superman and, and Christopher Reeve, and I'm not putting his performance on Christopher Reeve's level, but it's a comparable thing. His, Performance of Geralt over three seasons has been so iconic and tied into the games and the books. And the books are actually why he's leaving. It's like, you guys are departing from this. I want nothing to do with it. But I, yeah, I think it, I, I was going to ask you guys, did you see any significance in Geralt telling Yennefer that he loves her? She didn't exactly say it back to him, but I, I don't know if that's a big deal or not.
3: No, but what she did say was he said it out loud for the first time instead of her reading his mind to right, know it. And right. so well, that's true. I, I, I don't think it's a. I think you're reading too good. I think they fucking love each other. That's that, like, I don't think that's a question. I think this is a season doomed for that couple and family. That's what I, I think is happening.
0: i Just three things quick. I think, yeah, make we're all passing and moving on somehow and not being around is the most logical thing since we're going to get someone of a different Witcher, right? Um, Two, the question is to say, right, that the head of the school, that's her name, does she, is she in on it with her bow or not? Because that's still a question. And she was really quick to take that book of fucking secret magic, whatever, to wipe out a civilization when they found it in um, Bippity-Boppity-Boo. What's his name? Stregobor? Stregobor's yeah.
4: closet. Yeah.
0: Hidden in his closet. Yeah. So that's you know, where, he's, where he's
4: murdering half
1: children.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, maybe all that's happening, too. And then my third thing, lastly, is one of my favorite parts is you mentioned them being a family. And the sequence of Geralt saving Ciri to Ciri actually coming clean of why she left the magic school to Geralt telling her that Yennefer will forgive her, knowing that that's like her mother. And that is exactly what happens in that whole sequence when they get back together with Yaskir ends up with Siri and Yaskier having this hilarious thing where they mimic what Yennefer and Geralt are saying to each other. And I think yes, it's, it's very hilarious. Funny. The impersonations, the connectivity that they all have and how Yaskir is that much important to their family as well. He's almost a part of the family as well as like the, he's Siri's uncle. He's Geralt and Yennefer's kind of bro, you know, brother in, in a sense that he's always there that you can trust or a cousin. Um, so, That dynamic's been excellent. I am absolutely happy we stuck with this because it's been an excellent first five episodes. I can't wait to see what happens as we left with the knife to the throat of Geralt. And I was like, damn it, I finally want to watch more of this series. And now we've stopped. And and Patrick pointed out that this really kind of worked out well, uh, dividing this into three parts.
3: So, yes, and we, we also talked about, you know, before the program... Just sort of the differences in the way that, like, we consume this media, and how I really, really, really don't like that. To me, this is the absolute reason why Netflix should really reconsider dropping everything in a bunch. Now, I get it. Uh, as As Tony and I talked about this, you know, there are those, uh, are our good friend DP, uh, but as you say, fuck that guy um, who watch right. it. See, Pat's uh, coming. He's watch, coming around, Tony who prefer to binge watch it and like other shows, like he'll, he'll wait until the whole thing is available to stream before he'll watch it. Um, I just love that like these cliffhangers just feel like something that would be really great to driving people week to week to Netflix uh, as opposed to binging it and like having the problem that they complain about, about people binging and leaving. Um, we mentioned Yaskier and I think we have to go back to episode four and his rendezvous such as it is. With uh, the the Prince. Radovan, uh,
4: Radovan Is that his name?
3: Ra- yeah, something like that. I'm trying to find his name on our...
1: Me too. Uh, yeah, hey.
3: Ra- Radovan Prince Radovan, Played by Hugh. Um, I can't help but believe Yaskier played here. Because oh, yeah. I think Radovan is far smarter and sinister than he is letting on.
0: I think they could be playing each other, though.
3: Maybe. It, like Yaskier's not above that.
0: Yaskier's is, pretty fucking smart.
3: Yeah, what is...
0: Go ahead, Tony, sorry. No, no, that was about it. I mean, we, we seen his interaction with, um, whatever chambermaid that was, or one of the mistresses of whatever house he was in to start with. And he, you know, she's like, Oh, you have a crush. And he's like, I don't have crushes. I, you know, I have these epic experiences with people. And it, like, to me, no, that he, want, he that wants that seen, sick. I'm sorry. No, but I think to me that meant that she's seen something that she never seen him do before because he's trying to play that person. He's trying to get that person so enveloped within him that he's going to be able to want to make the first move, even though he might give something away in the process. I believe in Yasker here. I think you're right. I think that the prince is trying to play him, but I think underlying Yasker knows that. Uh, And
4: I think um, these last three episodes, I have a feeling are going to be very series centric because whatever happens beyond here. Seems like she's the focal point. I mean, everybody's after her. She's got this untapped power potential. You saw her talents as a witcher, where she takes out that sea creature on the ferry. You know that was, and her and her and Geralt working together to beat that monster was absolutely beautiful, perfect stuff. But she seems, and you know, there was a really tender kind of moment between Yaskir and her in the in the cabin. Uh, The development, like you're saying, the family element of things. You know, it, it it it's it's it is it's Siri, it's Geralt, it's Jennifer, and it is Yaskir as well. He's part of that extended family, and I think um, it feels like whatever's going to happen is going to be very focused on Siri these last three episodes.
0: Look at how smart Yaskir is when he tells Geralt by the fire when they're alone, and he says, "You know, why can't she be both?" Or you know what I mean between a ma- magician or um witcher. or a witch or and and a witcher, you know. She should. She just needs to be a leader. And he's like, "You're right." And and Jasker's like, "All right, now this is upsetting. This is worrying me now that I'm right." Um, so I think that that's there. But don't you think Geralt could have killed that monster on the boat probably within the first ten seconds of it being there? But he kind of led that to her because at some point she's going to need the favor of the people, and what's better than uh, at the time for the favor of the people of a story of of lore spreading, right? Siri, she's not just someone with magic we've seen her kill a monster with her bare hands like she's someone we can get behind she she knows both worlds
3: yeah yeah I think that um I think that it absolutely was something that she couldn't she he could have handled on his own but he let her uh, I think it again I think it just falls all into her role uh as this sort of chosen uniter of the people and he's he does know that he has to help that along I want to get to I want to get to one more uh one more plot point again out of the fourth episode uh and that's Kahir. Uh, first of all young Mr. Amell we hardly knew as uh as
0: quickly as, as, as you got pointed out on the bandwagon is as is, is as fastly as you're going to exit in two episodes. Yeah, that span.
3: was uh, a little rough. A little rough, but Kahir makes it choice. Did any of you see,
0: did, did any of you see that coming when that happened? Cuz I didn't. No no.
3: no. no, I was uh I was right there along with it. Uh, but you know, a, in the context of what had happened, it made a shit ton of sense.
1: Sure, sure.
3: But uh, but yeah, now back in the good graces of the Emperor uh, looking to forge an alliance. And it made a lot of sense. They forged the alliance in the way they best knew how by not allowing there to be a split amongst the Elven leadership. And so you you, kill, you killed the rabble rounds. Not exactly the direction you thought they were going to go, but the one that makes the most sense.
0: It was a well-played, strong-armed event that happened very briefly when they showed up. It was like, oh no, and then it was like, oh, we're not here for that, but here's this, and this is why, and here's the condition, and you know you don't have a choice, so here's what we're doing now.
3: Enjoy. Mm Mm-hmm. Welcome back. (laughs) So, yeah, all of these, I think, are going to come into play. As we know, war is coming. Uh, This this is all political maneuvering to, to the big... Again, halfway point of um, or the you know we're half, just over halfway through the season now, so we're we're coming up on the end here. We'll cover the last three episodes next week, and it's gonna it's gonna be huge, huge, bigly. Do you
0: guys think what? Okay, so what's gonna be your favorite episode, six, seven, or eight? Because I think with the penultimate episode, I think they're gonna do it the way they've been doing these streaming series, is where the big thing happens at the end of seven, and we kind of you know finish that off briefly in eight and then kind of clean up the series. I think they stick with that. So I think seven to me will be the best episode of
3: the last three. Oh Dave's making a face.
4: I mean we said the same thing about Secret Invasion and that kind of flamed out a little bit. So I don't what One better miscalculation. Secret
3: Invasion.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna say it. I like Secret Invasion. This has been better than Secret Invasion. Oh yeah.
4: Easily this is, this is much better than Secret Invasion. And I you know unless they do just divert so badly these last three episodes but i don't think they will i i don't see that happening and i think you know this was a this is a good stopping point because this is when the first batch of episodes actually it ended and then they released the last three which is where we're gonna go I, I i feel like the last episode will be the most impactful and the most influential and maybe it will leave i have a feeling you know it's just gonna be all out war at the end of this thing and like you're saying pat our family's gonna be destroyed in some fashion or some Geralt is it's the most curious part of this whole thing for me. How do they do things with him at the end of three? Does it lend yourself? Is he dead? Is he transformed somehow? That's why he comes back looking different. I don't know. But I, I, I think I think with this series, the last episode will be the biggest one. That's the one I, I'm most looking forward to.
3: Well, it's funny you should mention that, Dave, because it leads me to want to play this. Who among you still
4: fears death? What's wrong with you? I say you, he did. You will die, Alan,
2: a dead mate. And all that I am is dead already. She said
3: that every living
2: creature on Earth dies alone. I've been dead yes. once already. Dying ain't much of a living, boy. Death
1: is a natural part of life. Death comes for us all, Rokosaki.
4: Death is but a door. Time is but a window. I'll be back.
1: I don't understand why people have to die. Wee, wee, wee.
3: I think this is the perfect time to play a quick variation of the Deadpool Witcher style as we come into the last three episodes. We know people die in the Witcher left and right. Maybe it's not a Deadpool game, so to speak, but is Geralt of Rivia going to die? Who else do you think is on the chopping block PC Tunney? Cause you love the theme song so much. You go first. It is really good.
0: That was pretty good. Actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> it makes sense, right? If we're getting a, a different witcher, but he doesn't necessarily have to die either. Um, could him and Yennefer just kind of go off in their own separate togetherness and series there. She's grown now or, you know, we're there for you if you need us, but you know, I, I don't know. I Geralt could die, Yennefer could die, they both could die. Honestly, Siri, what if Siri sac- is Siri being sacrificed is the is the is what unites these people? I don't know. Um I'll go with Geralt and no one else, but a big part of me wants to say none of them die, and they just write this in a way that you know, if, if Cavill ever decides he does want to come back, he can. That wouldn't be stu- too stupid in my opinion. Dave
4: I don't think Geralt dies. I think, you know, there's been too much publicity about Liam Hemsworth and his role that I just don't see them killing off the character. I think they'll leave it open ended in a cliffhanger. Um, if there's anyone who I'm a little worried about going into the end, it's not Geralt or Jennifer or Siri. Yaskier, I'm a little bit concerned about him. So I know he's
1: oh. ultra popular,
4: but I could see them doing something with him. You know, if they want to go full Games of Thrones, game of thrones yeah, but I then think, let's kill yeah, off a gonna, main character
0: do this, but i think if you're going to continue to do this series with connection and and like they said they want to i think siri and Yaskir are the ones that carry oh, it I, forward more i than tend i Paul. tend to agree
4: with you tony that no one's going to die but if there's one of the because family that i'm worried about it's
0: him look at the relationship we just built and solidified and even more of a stronghold of a bond with them playing cards and him protecting her while everybody's at this ball. And they're able to actually open up to each other. To me, that seems like the bond for the next season without Geralt or Cavill, if you will, however, they're going to do this.
3: All very, um, very astute, well thought All out. arguments. Uh, I too don't believe any of the quote unquote, big four are dying in the strictest sense of the word. Word like, I think that somehow Geralt's departure is going to be more akin to I've been thrust into another dimension sort of thing.
0: Firefinger. Uh, uh, Firefinger, motherfucker, is going to die. Firefucker.
3: So I actually, I don't Firefucker. think Firefinger is going to die. Um I think Tissia is going to I think that she is going to be killed by Vilforge in some do way.
0: We, do, we, do we all give our opinion on whether or not she knows? Do you think she's in on it or not? I think she's in on it. I don't, I don't think she is. I don't think I don't think either. she's in on
3: it. I think. I think she's going to. Detri- she's going to die trying to protect what. He Can
0: we does. bet a wrong, 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 wrong on it?
3: What if I'm wrong and that she's in on it? I play it for what? me.
0: Yeah, me or you next week.
3: I mean, sure. If I'm here, I'll
1: play it.
4: Like if I'm not working, and if he's not, sure. then Tony, you'll play it. I'll just sing it.
3: That's fine. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, just, I no, so no no disposable. no. It's like what I have no shame when it comes to this. Like I I feel confident in this. I I'm feeling. I feel confident in my belief that she does not know it is going to be betrayed. Like I'm, that's, that's my opinion.
0: I, as we are almost about to finish this and, and we have one more thing left to cover next week for this. I want to say I was wrong and I'm glad we watched the third season cause it's been really good. So that's all I was wanted to say.
3: Yeah. Good on Netflix. Uh, this, this is a, has been, uh, I've been a little trepidatious about how this season was going to go, even though I enjoyed season two. So, sometimes right you're the fly, you.
4: lock and key. Sometimes you're the windshield, Witcher. There you go.
3: There you go. Cool. All right. Well, we're going to take our first commercial break. When we come back. Uh, we are going to dive into a PC Tunney generated trailer park. That's right. Tunney laying down the trailers this week because, as I said before, I got nothing. And so, Tunney came through in a pinch. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chair Shot Radio Network
5: kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon shop these deals at your local kroger less than five miles away or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
0: This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechesshop.com,
1: bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore. Everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com.
3: All right, welcome back, everyone, to this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Patrick O'Dowd, David Ongar, PC Tony coming to you here as part of the Chair Shot Radio Network on chairshot.com. where we remind you to always use your head, pro forward slash the thechairshot for all of your chair shot gear. Needs 19 for a tee spend a few dollars more though get it soft style your giblets will thank you all right i had nothing Tony came through which dave means we still get to play that beautiful band <laughs> Like I got, I don't have a rundown this weekend and Tony, I, I want to give you your flowers and you. You generally give me compliments about the quality of my rundowns and how ready and organized they were. And so for today, uh, I'm very sorry that I failed to come through for, for everybody. This is, it's just been, it's been a week and I really wasn't just, I just wasn't particularly in tune with what was going on trailer wise, uh, out there. Nothing particularly excited me. We'll talk about two, um, trailers at the very end that I think are are the ones that fans will, will know the most. But we're going to start with a sequel to a movie I've never seen uh, because this movie uh, dropped or this trailer dropped for the film Vacation Friends 2 starring Kevin Hart and John Cena. And first of all, for context, Tony, what the fuck is Vacation Friends?
0: <clears throat> okay. So it's a great movie where it, it's a Lil Rel and John Cena flick, right? It's a comedy and, Lil Rel is married to Yvonne Orgy who was played uh, plays Emily and Cena is married to Meredith Hagner, who's played who's Kyla in the show. So these in the first one they meet while Lil Rell and his wife are on vacation and they just show up everywhere and they get oh, them. Sorry, I thought things. that
3: was Kevin Hart too, by the way. I had no nope, idea
0: that wasn't nope, Lil Rel. Nope. Nope. We're we're learning you good today. Uh so they show up, and it's kind of the same thing. It's like this beach resort, and they get them to do crazy things and question a whole bunch of stuff. It's very much an adult comedy. Do not watch this with your kids. But you can very much be okay with thinking that your partner will enjoy it, besides like however they think, especially you know, if, if they're not into these kind of dick and fart joke kind of drug and alcohol kind of comedy movies it's it's funny it's interesting it's a good storyline i can't wait for the second one cena's excellent in these so if you're a wrestling fan who's not you know a little tiny kid you're gonna watch this so laurel is amazing i'm pretty sure he had to do with writing this i'm not exactly sure um no it doesn't look like it actually uh clay tarver's directing and uh, john francis daly among others were were part of the directors uh, writers along with the director so yeah Distributed by Hulu, 20th Century Studios. We'll see what happens. Vacation Friends 2, the new police academy for all of you adult fans out there.
3: Yeah, you mentioned this is this uh, the first one's on Hulu?
0: I think so. Yeah, it's really good. All right. It's streaming. So
3: I need a password share before Bob Iger follows through. Oh, Watch no. it with the Mrs. O'Dowd. Bob I want to see shares. how she feels about it.
4: If I can, it did not dawn on me until Tunny started describing it, what this movie was. I did see the first one, Tunny. It's excellent. Now I got to go is. and watch this fucking trailer now it, because I'm like,
0: "Wait, it, what is this?" The first one is the first one is is better than it has any business being. Absolutely. It really is.
4: Absolutely. Who's the who's he married to? Is that
0: Catherine Heigl? Or who is the chick? Oh, that's uh Meredith Hagner. She looks different. Oh, and this and the, and and Steve Buscemi comes in as John Cena's father-in-law, who's like uh, <laughs> right. a retired military ops guy or something.
3: Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on there. With uh, Lil Rel apparently trying to work some business deal while on this vacation, and uh, John Cena and the misses amplifying things a little bit in, in the trailer, so it does look funny. It does look funny. I just I probably because it was on Hulu, this movie was never on my radar in the first place because I don't I don't have a Hulu account, so uh, I've never been one to catch up on it. But it does it does look like fun. It does look like a good time, uh, and probably worth the effort to go check out. Uh, wait, when we get a second, all right. We're gonna shift gear. Oh, Dave, did you have something else?
4: No, no, no. I was just, I was like, yeah, this. I gotta check this out now. All
3: right, we are gonna shift shift gears. Tony pulled a Patrick and put a movie out that, um, a trailer out that I was like, okay, uh, it's the trailer for the film El Conde. We're saving, we're saving that one for last. We're gonna talk about it and again. Tony put out all the trailers, so I'm going to acquiesce to his contribution to the show. Because I contributed nothing to the show today, so for, I'm gonna for, first of all, kids, you gotta have to, you're gonna have to read subtitles to watch this. This film is in Spanish, I do believe. Uh, it seems to be a weird, dark comedy about a family of vampires trying to pass their estate on to their progeny, uh, and hilarity ensues as there is this accountant who shows up, who is clearly a vampire hunter, trying to who I am clearly trying to kill at some point that seems to be what i got out of this trailer um, it does look like the sort of thing i would watch uh to be blunt uh just in turn it's it's in black and white it's a little artsy um uh, but also is a comedy and looks clearly clearly looks funny so i'm gonna i'm gonna let tunny go last since he uh knows did, did his homework on this a little bit more dave did you have a ch- chance to check out this trailer and why not
4: uh, Tony put up all, all these trailers out. I was like, are we even going to get to any of these things? So I wasn't, I wasn't sure what we were going to do. So no, I didn't know. All right. So
0: PC Tony. let me, let me give you the synopsis because I think right on Wikipedia, they give a really good synopsis of the story. And I, Dave, I think this will interest you a- as we sit in the era of the last voyage of the Demeter um, and, and talks of Dracula showing up uh, in Mar in the Marvel uh, MCU. Uh, El Conde, which is Spanish for the Count, is an upcoming Chilean black comedy horror film directed by Pablo Lorraine and written by Lorraine and Guillermo Calderón. It's a satire that portrays Chilean dictator Augusto Pinochet as a 250-year-old vampire who's seeking blood and death and everything else. And along the way, he's also Augusto Pinochet. And now he has this family that are vampires that don't know how to get along in life without him because he spoiled them and he brings in this accountant like patrick says who he falls in love with and the story ensues so yes this is just artsy enough and dark enough and comedic enough for me to i will watch this when it comes out i don't mind subtitles i've watched movies with subtitles before if they're good it's even better um, because you can watch it again and know what they're saying and kind of get involved in a lot of the facial things and, and more of the body acting. But I think this is going to be really good. I mean, guys, seriously, like one of the worst dictators in, you know, uh, the, that Southern hemisphere of all time is actually Dracula. That's kind of, it's got a little bit of a hilarity to it. And, and I think we're going to see a lot of interesting things happen
3: here. It does look fun. Yeah. Dave, yeah, you're I- going to watch the trailer.
4: I I will absolutely watch the trailer. This is Aesop Mitchell written all over it. I mean, this this is in his wheelhouse. So, um, A24? Yeah, not A24, but just that it, you know, foreign kind of horror schlock sort of thing. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't sound like a dark comedy. It sounds like they're taking it seriously. So,
0: well, it's a comedy. Wait till you watch the trailer and you'll be happy about it. So, September 15th, Netflix.
3: Well, all right, let's move on to one other film. But the star-studded cast, again, a movie I didn't even know, I didn't see a trailer drop for so until Pony shared it today, for a film called The Kill Room. Now, this movie stars Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Joe Magigilio, I can never pronounce it.
0: Recently divorced, Sofia Ga- uh,
3: Vergara, by the way, I know. she's single. What the hell Oh, there? God, yeah. And Oopsies. she had that hot picture come out and everything. I'm like, damn. Ah, indeed. Uh, and Uma Thurman, I do believe, is the, uh, the female lead that I remember. And Basically, for again, I watched this trailer. This looks actually really, really interesting. As uh, Samuel Jackson and Joe Mangiola are clearly members of the mob or some sort of mob, like he's a hitman.
0: Right. Uh, he's the bo- Sam. Sam's the boss. Joe's the hitman.
3: And they're looking for a way to safely collect on their hits, and they form a partnership with this art gallery, uh, where they're creating. Art that gets paid for uh, for this artist that is known as the Bagman, and that's Joe's character. Uh, and hilarity ensues as surely the system is going to go wrong as the Bagman becomes a famous artist, almost like a Banksy sort of figure. As art collectors want to want money, want to pay money for this guy's work, even though it's not really work. It's just him using the bags that he like suffocates people with and it, on <laughs> on a canvas but it kind of points out the absurdity of our dealing and our collecting while also having this very sinister reason for putting this art out. Looks like a lot of fun. Uh, don't know that it's going to win any awards or anything like, but the premise itself is, is intriguing enough for me to follow through and check it out. Uh, Tony, we'll start with you this time, and then we'll finish with Dave, who um, I know also didn't watch this trailer because he's admitted as much on the program today.
0: Uh, Uma Thurman playing the art house dealer um yes you know her interactions with sam jackson looked really good and it, and like they explained like it's an intelligent way to launder money considering you know uh, the the irs or fbi or whoever isn't really looking into these weird paintings because they don't question it like they don't understand it and the funny thing is this guy's like painting at like a third grade level and people are just like oh my you know so it's really a satire on that community as well the fact that you can get away with it there and and right. big hitty becomes so yeah i mean i don't know I, it, it looks well done another kind of comedy mystery thriller
1: yeah i think it
3: i think it looks really good i think it's it's really it's just a solid cast and i think uh i think it'll work out well dave you didn't watch this trailer so now, what see, do you this, think this about is, not watching this trailer? this is
4: what happens when you don't do a rundown i don't know what's official and what's not so i blame this entire oh you're on, gonna put
3: this back on me exactly look, that look is at exactly you, what i'm doing you know <laughs> And that's fair. That's fair. I appreciate your argument. I appreciate your point. I've taken it under consideration. And
4: yeah. somebody's got to represent Ray today. So you know, it might as well be. But uh, yeah, I got the trailer watching, and, and it, it certainly looks very interesting. Samuel Jackson has got an immaculate beard going on. Um, yes, Uma Thurman. Tremendous cast.
3: All right, I'm in. Yeah all right three for three so tony good job look at you dusting your shoulder off uh let's move on to do sort of bandwagon nerds mainstream trailers we'll start with one that tony shared though dave shared it first we got a john wick the continental it's like from the world of john wick the continental trailer uh hit the uh, internet airwaves the bandwidth this week i um I've made no secret that I love the John Wick movies, uh, whether whether or not you love Keanu Reeves or not. Uh, I I just have all I've enjoyed the premise of these like super high end assassins who have this quote unquote safe house slash hotel known as the Continental where they can go to take jobs. They don't pay in real currency. They pay in gold coins. And like there's all these rules and. And that's a big part of the backdrop within the John Wick story that, that we're following that has now created this spin-off show. And this is a three-part miniseries that appears to be telling the story of Ian McShane's character from the movies, the character of Winston. Because this character in the ascot, he's dressed exactly like Ian McShane's character in the John Wick films. And the last visual you get of the trailer is him in the Ian McShane look, holding a glass, a drink, very much in the same way that Ian McShane has been doing it for four John Wilk-, Wilk films at this point. And so this is a prequel. This is a prequel as to how Ian McShane's Winston character came to power and became the one to take over the continent. So I am, again, I'm in. I'm in on this. I, I've loved the shows. the The fight sequences look awesome. Uh, a lot of great action pieces, and that's really what you tune to John Wick for. Is you tune into John Wick for the fight pieces, the fight set pieces that are going to take place there, very much like you would for a kung fu film uh, elsewhere. And so, um, yeah, the Continental in three-part series on uh, Peacock. I want to say Peacock,
0: Tony? Uh, yeah, time. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to watch this. It looks cool because it's John Wick from the '70s, um, and Mel Gibson's in it. He's the big. Big bad boss, right? It looks like uh, so. That was interesting. Yes,
3: Mel Gibson does play a big. But guy. I know, yep.
0: I know, Dave, you had posted this before, but I don't think we covered it yet on the show. So that's why, I, like, I thought, hey, you know, it's like, hey, let me try and actually create a a, a trailer park with with you know uh, no bias. <laughs> so we got a comedies, we got thrillers, we got horror, we got action.
4: There was a teaser that we'd covered one of the times that Pat was out, um, and then this is like the first official trailer, and I think I posted it earlier this week you what followed you announced, up with
0: you announced the reporting that this was going to be taking place I yeah think. yeah
4: um i think you know if we're covering winston's kind of origin story and more or less getting deeper into the mythos of the continental and and how like you're saying pat it's a safe house there's rules you can't kill anybody on the and of course that becomes a big focal point of john wick too go ahead tony
0: david i don't know anything about the story but Winston, you're talking about we're talking and delving into his past in the '70s here at the Continental. Didn't it also in the trailer look like he brought his brother in to help him out or something like that's part of the story? Right, right.
4: And I mean, you know, you've got um, oh the the um the main guy like the main front desk guy who Lance Reddick, right? He just passed away, um, right, right, Pat. So you know, I I don't know how yeah. they're and I know you know you got to address that, but um yeah, I think the Wick verse is expanding. There's a lot more layers to the whole John Wick universe that that they're going to explore and, and it makes money and it's engrossing stories. And yeah, anything showing Winston's one of the most iconic characters there is. his rise to power, how he basically gets in charge of this iconic. I know there's Continentals all over the world, but this specific one is is the focal point. So, yeah, it, the trailer looks kind of interesting. Three part series. I definitely want to check it out. So I think um, I'm in on this one.
3: Cool. Yeah, I think, uh, again, yeah, I'm excited for this. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Dude. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I think fans of the uh, John Wick films are not going to be disappointed. At least I, that's the sense I get out of out of this first, th- these trailers. So, all right, let's get to the last one. The final trailer for Ahsoka dropped. It's titled Anakin. Uh, we get a lot more looks at our at, at kind of our Star Wars Rebels family. Uh, In this trailer, as well as another good look at the not Jedi, you know, I don't I don't know what you call them. Um, We we hear a voiceover of Ahsoka communing with Anakin, I do believe. And it sounds like Hayden Christensen's voice talking to her. So I don't know if it actually is or not. Tony's thumbs upping. So I'm going to assume that that means that it is. Uh, I've I've read, read things
0: that said that Hayden Christensen voiced new lines for
3: Anakin Skywalker. Makes sense. It's it's really impressive how, uh, how we welcome welcomed and the star Wars fan base has welcomed Aiden Christensen back into their, uh, their, their fandoms because there was a while where no, no, you didn't. Now, uh, we also do get some more, uh, background with Ahsoka and Sabine Wren. Uh, always good to see. We are also going to, we also get a little bit more with Hera uh, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Very, very exciting to see them. And, of course, everybody's not R2 d Detroit uh, chopper uh, is involved as well. So I don't know that there's much more that we can add to this other than the intrigue of who these not evil Jedi are. Uh, we do get another look at Grand Admiral Thrawn, uh, but it's the same look we've gotten before from Lars Mikkelsen, who you all might recognize from watching uh, The Witcher, as he's certain he sure is in The Witcher. The thing that's interesting is that as I look at this, this is an eight-episode series. Grand Admiral Thrawn's only two episodes, according to this trailer. So, climax territory, everybody. And I don't think this is it. Like, I don't think we're going to get a res- resolution to the Grand Admiral Thrawn story if he's only in two episodes. He's too busy playing Stregobor over on uh, on The Witcher.
0: Well, why can't we just get him in the last two, and then now you got season two and part of three already, you know, there for you.
3: Well, but the trailers made it very intentional to show pictures of him uh, and talk about him. Like it's just interesting that according and this according to IMDb, it could be wrong. Two episodes out of eight—that's a quarter of the episode.
0: Yep, that's that's it's, good math.
3: Yeah, I didn't that's know. I went to public school.
4: Way to go! Um, I didn't see a lot in this trailer that was different than what we've seen before. I mean, a lot of it's still like right. you're saying. It, it's it. This is very much turning into Rebels live action you know, continuation because we see Sabine, we see the portrait of Ezra. We still haven't seen Ezra appear physically yet. You get thrown, um, you know, Ahsoka. I, I imagine at some point early on in the series, Ahsoka will be communing with the force ghost of Anakin Skywalker, which will be an interesting conversation. I, I will be paying admission to see how that conversation plays out because, a lot of baggage there to unpack, but I think they kind of have to do that—not for so much closure between Ahsoka and Anakin, but just kind of acknowledgment of certain things. But um, yeah, I can't wait for this series. Eight episodes. There's a lot of ground they can cover in eight episodes. Uh, I don't know. You know, people have speculated whether Rebels is essential viewing to watch this. Probably not essential, but it sure helps. Um, so I'm. So excited about this series, and, and just to see where we go with this thing, and and I mean, I think this has all the potential to be right there with, say, Mandalorian or Andor, as far as series that are really, really good. It'll it'll definitely be better than Book of Boba Fett, Pat. I wouldn't worry about that.
3: but It's not a high bar. It's not. It's just not a
4: high. Bar. It's not. But oh my I...
3: god, he's riding a Rancor, you guys. <laughs>
4: There's that kid again. So the uh, mouth breathing nasally dude.
3: It's the best thing in the history of ever. <laughs> what
0: the fuck is going on?
4: You know, every time anyway. we every time we need to really punch the nerd cred up, Pat's um alter ego shows up. So,
3: gonna, gotta put my headgear back in, guys.
4: Yeah. Sorry. Get your retainer off the off the counter. Put it back in.
0: I just I see Rosario Dawson and then, you know, you got Sabine in there. What's what's better than a Jedi and a Mandalorian teaming up, right? Especially everything that we've been watching. And then you throw in the the pilot, you're like your female Han Solo. It just reminds Hera. me of of Marvels, her right? Her like name is Hera. It, it's really interesting that both of these things are happening near the same time where you just have this trio of amazing women teaming up to take care of things, which I think is great. But it's just You know there aren't coincidences in life, I guess. But I'm looking forward to this. I'm sure the mouth are pissed about that. Ah, fuck! Who gives a shit what they think? Uh, This is going to be good, and I hope we get like three or four seasons because I think there's a lot of story to tell. Maybe like the end of Grand Admiral Thrawn is where we're starting, if that's what you're kind of hinting towards.
3: Who knows? We'll we'll have to see what we'll have to see what happens. There's a lot of mystery. If you are a Rebels fan, that I think people want to see and know about. So. All right there you go Good job Tony. Excellent choices for this week's trailer park. We're going to take our second commercial break get into the last segment of the show talk a little uh little Marvel uh, studios news as well as a little bit of what you're watching you have the you are listening to bandwagon nerds here on the cheershot radio network part of the cheershot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following.
0: Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code chairshot. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code chairshot to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net.
1: All
3: right, welcome back everyone. Coming into the final segment of the show, working a little quickly today, as I have stated repeatedly, I got nothing. And so that's where we came with today's show. Gentlemen, I do want to talk about one big news piece that happened uh, in the world of entertainment that I think is going to have some significant ripples uh, throughout our, uh, our, our film, uh, throughout the film and television industry. And that is the news that came out this week that Marvel's visual effects workers have moved to unionize. This is something that's been talked about for a really, really long time. There have been multiple stories uh, in recent years about the grueling schedule that visual effects workers were, were put through in order to meet the aggressive timeline that Marvel has and the sacrifices that some films had to make in order to allow other films to work this just seems like a very logical step to take especially in a time where the entertainment industry is facing its own sort of soul searching and shakeups with the writers guild strike still going on the SAG-AFTRA strike still going on although there is talk that uh the writers guild uh ha- has agreed to jump back into the bargaining table and start talking so that could be good news on the horizon i i think that if this happens you're going to see a major shift in not only you know marvel cinematic universe visual effects uh workers but visual effects workers across the uh dave what say you this is i think this is big news i think this is a huge deal uh and i think if it happens uh it's good for them
4: right and i think we talked about it a few weeks ago about the concept of a lot of these um uh, a lot of these players uh, unionizing and how that would shift the balance of power right now, which is solidly in the studio's favor. Um, but anytime you get a lot of these organizations unionizing, it tends to shift that balance of power and point the pendulum in the other direction, or at least start moving it in that direction. So it's a it's a more balanced negotiation. And, and I think that's what they do. And, and you know, uh, the Marvel, the visual, the visual workers... Yeah, like you're saying, we've talked about that several times on the show about overworked, underpaid, too many projects, not enough, you know, manpower to go around, just the demanding, grueling schedule from one project to the next and the next. And I think you know part of what some of the issues that we've had with the MCU um may be reflective of that, you know, like some of the CGI complaints that have come out over the past couple years like Look, these guys can't keep doing this. You've got them on this absurd schedule. And while we like to criticize Iger and some of the stuff he said lately, I think one of the things he did point out that's probably poignant and accurate is that too much. There's too much of this stuff. He recognizes there's too much of this stuff. It has weighed workers like this down. And I think, you know, they, in light of that and the fact that everything going on, them unionizing to say, look, we need better conditions. We need better pay. We need better benefits. We need better something. Um, them unionizing makes sense and helps them get to from point A to point B. So, not particularly surprised to see this coming down the pike.
3: Tony, your reaction to the NCU VFX people talking I, I, about unionizing? I
0: agree with Dave that the more hands that come in on the side against the studios, on all the specific things that need to get done to make a movie happen, especially one with, you know, such great special effects, that that's the way you're going to get stronger against, you know, uh, having a bargaining chip against the studios. Um, it's interesting, I think DJ mentioned that he has a relative that may be directly or indirectly related to this situation. So I think this week I'm going to try an effort that and see if 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 that's something maybe we want to talk to somebody about next week that might have an inside look at this whole situation. Um, the other interesting point was someone came out that was a part of this group during WandaVision and said that they said there's no more days off and we're going to 12-hour days or something until it's done, to which the person said we'd already been working 18 12-hour days in a row or something like that. So right. it just made me think of Like uh, I saw a preview trailer for a documentary about the China workforce in which 996 is a thing, which is nine hours, uh, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., six days a week. That's considered a 40-hour week in China in the uh, workplace where you live on site. So compare those things, folks. Why don't you do that?
3: Yeah, it's a a pretty tough deal, and uh, it's one of those things. I mean, this this has its roots. I mean, it's been going on for many, many years when it comes to the way that the VFX – Crews are working like so many VFX studios get formed and then go bankrupt because and don't really get paid what they're worth uh, workers work you know long hours only to see their their livelihood evaporate the life of Pi for example famously won an Oscar for best visual effects and the president of the visual effects studio during his Oscars expect, acceptance speech talked about how they they were in massive debt and the Oscars cut his mic because they didn't want to hear it, and, and that's that's the thing that's really interesting. Even you know, when you look at the studio powers, because it's not like there haven't been political statements made at the Oscars uh, when they've been convenient and fit a different sort of narrative. And in this case, it did not fit the narrative that they wanted to share. And so uh, they've they've been pretty powerless. And I can only hope that this works for for them and that it that it happens because now's the time. Now's the time with everything else that, that's going on. Um, Dave Allum, I wanted to ask you, last week we talked a little bit about the Writers Guild returning to the table. And since we're talking strike stuff and that they're going back to marketing, I argued that the, uh, the studios asking the writers to come back was a good sign for the Writers Guild because they were holding firm and it's the studios that were like, please come back and let's negotiate. And the Writers Guild has also said that you know they weren't going to come back unless the negotiations were going to include all of the demands that they wanted to negotiate. So thoughts on that? Uh, just sort of what this all means. There's always the uh, when we know somebody who, who works in the, the, the you know the legal field, uh, we feel like there's a little bit more of a foundation, at least kind of generally as to what's going on uh, and what what's likely to be happening here Uh, so we wanted to turn the floor over to you for a little bit uh talking about the writer strike
4: yeah i mean as somebody who negotiates every single day as part of my job um i think you know the fact that the the studios right now if you're looking at to use the star wars analogy since we're talking about that they're Obi wan kenobi and they have the high ground i'm not saying ethically or morally i'm just saying from the standpoint of negotiating leverage they're Obi wan standing on the banks and The writer's Guild is Anakin standing on the little platform in the molten lava. So they've got the high ground. So the fact that they see enough of the long-term ramifications in the picture to say, hey, look, let's get back to the table. I agree. It's a good sign because there's any time you're any time the two sides are talking. That's a good sign because you're getting issues out there. You're clarifying where the points of contention are, where the choke choke points are in the negotiation, where you get the fact that here's our point, here's their point. You you start to see, okay, are we really so far apart that we can't bridge this gap? Or are there areas where people can make concessions and narrow, whittle away the issues that you're just dealing with the main separating things? So I think the fact that the studios who are, have the high ground right now, I would say as far as the... Uh, resources and just the ability to wait this out at least at this point in time are saying looking long-term saying hey let's get back to the table with the writers that's encouraging i would certainly like to see them doing that with sag as well sag aftra uh but that's a little bit more of a balanced sort of who blinks first sort of situation and i think with the writers guild having the studio say let's get back to the table uh we need the writers back we need to at least see can we bridge any of this stuff I tend to agree with you. I think that's an encouraging thing. I don't expect there to be a quick fix, but at least if they're talking, then that lends itself a lot more to the fact that, hey, we can get this resolved or at least pare away the issues that are blocking us from moving forward. What can we agree on? These ancillary narrow things. Okay, fine. Great. Let's get those out of the way. Let's agree with that. Now we got the big ticket, big picture items. I, I think it's a good, it's a great thing, and uh, it, and it's encouraging. I think it's going to be a long process. There's a lot of stuff they have to talk about, but I agree with you. Getting back to the table always a good thing.
3: Absolutely, this will get resolved at some point. And as right. as many people often say, if both sides are happy, then nobody. Or I'm sorry, if both sides are happy, then it wasn't a good deal. If both sides are a little upset, that probably means it's a fair deal and a good deal for everybody. Right. So.
4: When we settle things. Nobody leaves a settlement thinking, yeah, man, that was the greatest thing ever. It's a compromise. If you're compromising by the very right. nature of it, then both sides have yielded on what their pie-in-the-sky idealism is, and they say, okay, here's what we can live with.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. That's really the only news item I wanted to talk about today. They're, they're kind of a slow week in the world of entertainment uh, for all of us, but I did want to bring back, because we didn't do this last week, uh, one of our favorite newer segments, and that's just, gentlemen... What you watching? I'm gonna go first today. Uh, so first, I want to say two weeks ago, or not? Well, yeah, two weeks ago, or a week ago, took a little doubt, and I did go see the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. Uh, it's really good. It's unfortunate it only made thirty million dollars because it's really good. Um, it just tells me that not enough people saw it. It, I, I gotta say, I think one of the funniest parts to me is this is a this is a reimagining of of. Um, the comic book in the series so there's things that happen in this movie that are not things you you're familiar with if you're a child of the late 80s early 90s uh there was what well, there was a group of uh teenagers who i think have been watching some of the other nickelodeon iterations of the teenage mutant Ninja turtles and there was one kid who was very upset that something was quote not canon like he said that repeatedly like, that's not canon and i wanted to yell at him Nobody fucking cares. They're turtles. I, I didn't, s- do his, his, didn't do that. His not saying, that's man. not
4: canon. You need to put that in your nasally voice. So,
3: yeah. right. So, Listen here, you little brat. You're canon, you guys. Oh, the Little O'Dowd loved the movie. Just loved it. Adored it. Uh, saw a couple of trailers for films that he wants to see. We're going to try and see The Blue Beetle this weekend. Uh, don't forget that comes out this weekend, everybody. Uh, I got some we infer- happen to be here. I got some information about Blue in?
0: Beetle I wanted to kinda of share with you guys when we get done. Are we all in are the three of us in for Blue Beetle for next weekend then? I'm gonna watch That's it before the the show.
3: I haven't um I haven't gotten the tickets okay. yet because I'm going to be, uh, I'll be so the, little the, the little and the little I'm i may not even be on the show, so it may not matter. But the little O'Dowd and I are going to a Lego convention on Saturday, uh, in Springfield. And so we're going to be yes. Are there vendors there? There is talk of of vendors being present, yes.
0: Okay, I'm going to give you a list of some stuff.
3: I don't know what level of vendor there's to be. That's fine. You never know. You never know. I have Venmo. So anyway, um, all of that is to say that um, the venue where the Lego uh, brick convention thing that is happening is uh, right next to the MGM Casino in Springfield, Massachusetts, which has its own AMC theater attached to it. So we're going to go, we're going to the convention from 10 to noon, and then we're going to walk over and see if we can jump onto a matinee over at the MGM uh, AMC theater, which is supposedly really nice. I've never been there. So I'm kind of excited to check it out. Uh, I got to, Dave, I'm going to, I'm going to tell this to you kind of directly uh, about you guys have heard me wax poetic repeatedly over the HBO max show warrior, the Bruce Lee inspired, Uh, Kung Fu uh, series that takes place in uh, San Francisco in the 1800s as they're building railways and this uh, story of these complete competing Chinese gangs as well as Irish laborers and uh, and then just sort of white folks kind of running the town and this this whole story and it's based again it's based on writings that uh, Bruce Lee had in mind for a show that he wanted to do before he passed away the two episodes ago was the best episode Of the damn series in my opinion and it channeled one of the most iconic scenes in the godfather that 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 people remember and that is it channeled the baptisms at the end of the godfather where michael settles all the debts and in this it takes place during a wedding where the bride and groom the bride is actually the leader of all these chinese tongs and she's been consolidating her power and these elders are conspiring to kill her And so while she and her husband are consummating the marriage, she is settling all debts with the other tongs and taking shit out like a fucking boss. And it's amazing because her husband in the, in the series, who's also like, there's two Bruce Lee characters and this husband is one of them. She, like she watches him kill her, kill his best friend to protect her and his tong. It's, it's such, it's such a good show. This, this third season has been the best season in my opinion. It, season, it's kind of like The Witcher. Season one was really good. Season two was okay. Season three has been awesome. And I really hope it gets continued because we're coming to a head for this season and I'm terrified that it won't get picked up. Uh, because it's an, it's a Max exclusive show and you know how Warner Brothers has been about that shit. I'm, I'm really worried about the show, but it's so good and I really want people to check it out. So watch that. And then Harley Quinn Season three is available on max. Episodes are dropping. It's just a great animated hijinks filled show. You should all check it out. That's what I've been watching and what I'm going to watch. Tony, what have you been watching? Uh, winning
0: Time came out with their premiere episode. It was excellent. Um, got you right back into what's going on. It was kind of weird because they started in like 84 and then brought you back to 81. So it was just, you had to kind of notice that brief thing happening. Um, Other than that, you know, uh, just sticking with stars on Mars, and uh, that's about it. Nothing major.
3: So
4: um, you mentioned Harley Quinn, which I have not watched, but my nephew has proclaimed that it's the greatest animated series out there. Um, And he says that he loves the fact that they take chances with the series that DC Comics probably wouldn't take in the comics. But they're doing it on the animation thing, and he really appreciates that and he's so anti-superman that he seems to think that whatever they're doing in the show uh-huh. is appropriate and i'm like whatever you know that sort of thing but um i've been watching you know and i kind of go back to this uh vikings that series on that it, it was on the history channel i watch it on hulu which is very good i think uh and also pat watching ted lasso trying to get through that as so
3: a boy i am i still gotta
0: watch season three
4: it's very good
3: uh. um how far? How far along are you on Ted Lasso? I'm
4: like at the end of season one, so I'm, I'm I've got a ways to go. Oh, did you well, watch enjoy the,
3: the rest season
0: of, one finale? Not yet. It, yeah, not yet. it only it only gets worse after that. Okay, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Tony.
4: Um, before we, Patrick I, did, I did, it's
0: like, it's a, Patrick seriously has Superman laser eyes at me right now. He's, he's about to boo no, you. No, i You're gonna get booed. I,
3: I, no, I will say this. I I would agree that season one is phenomenal. Like season one is really really good. It's really really well done. Season the, the finale of season one. Every sports fan can empathize with the season one finale of Ted Lasso. Like period. Whether you know and the you know the other stories are whatever. Anybody who's been a fan of sports and a diehard fanatic of a team has experienced the season finale of Ted Lasso, and uh, it's really really good. And it's just it's such a good first season that it 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 suffers from having to follow that. I think a little bit because season two is quite good. Season three, I, I would actually argue season three is the weakest of the three. Um, and, and it's because it tries to do, I feel like it tries to do a little too much. Uh, you know, when Tony finally watches it, he can let me know. But um, that's why tough. I
0: bet that's why I haven't watched it, because like I thought season two was not nearly as good as season one. And now people it's are not it's the, and people are like season three is even worse. And I'm like, OK. But well, I don't think. I got, it's not bad. Well, television. I have three hours of Witcher funny. to watch first, and then maybe I'll get to it. <laughs>
3: it's not bad television. It's just the season one set such a high bar. It does. That it it was, does. Hard. I, it was hard to reach it. So I wanted right.
4: to throw this out to you guys, though, because uh, there's early reviews for Blue Beetle that are coming in really strong, um, and and most of the reviewers are saying this is a big win for DC in the wake of the Flash debacle. However, uh, and I think like a lot of like we talked about the Latin culture and that sort of thing was going to be a focal point. Reviewers are really latching onto that saying this is really good. Um, Box office projections aren't so fantastic, you know, 30 to 55 million. But I was wondering, I think, you know, when you've got this word of mouth sort of uh, grassroots undercurrent, hey, this is really good. You need to check it out. Um, I'm wondering if this isn't going to go like the route of elemental where it starts off kind of slow. Word of mouth picks up. People start going to see it. I'm wondering if this is going to have like a little bit of a longer run in the theaters than we're anticipating because, yeah, I'm like you guys. I, I want to go see it right away. I want to support what DC is doing. I know Blue Beetle's weird because it's like purgatory between DCEU and DCU sort of thing. Like, where are we? Um, that sort of thing. But it, it, it certainly sounds like it's getting good reviews. Uh, the cast is getting really praised for this thing. So I'm kind of curious what you guys are, are thinking about how this might play out.
0: I'm going Thursday after work. 3D? So 3D? It's not available. It's DCU. God damn it. Um, I think this is going to make more money than people think. I think we had enough of a break from the superhero movies, i.e. I- Haunted Mansion, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, in a in a sense is more of a kids animated movie. Um, Oppenheimer and Barbie aren't those things, and I think people have been trained to go to the movies and have a good time over this period of so much money being spent at the theater. So I think as much as DCU wishes that maybe this would have debuted the weekend after Labor Day to give it a little bit more time of respite between this Barbenheimer craze, I think people are conditioned to go to the theaters right now. I think it's going to do north of 75.
4: Well, I mean, to your point, the Meg 2, horrible reviews. You'd never know it from their box office number. That's I mean, it's not genres, saying, though, it's not saying the
0: world come out there, though. People, people that want to see that movie want to see that shark as big as fucking possible. And that's why they go to the movie right. theater.
3: So here's here's the other thing, Dave. Uh, it's interesting because the $30 million Blue Beetle opening projections sound bad, right? But then you look at the articles that are posting this, and they're actually pointing out that this is beating the initial projections, which had it in like a $15 million range. So that... That to me tells me that early ticket sales, like pre-ticket sales, are good. It also tells someone like me that I'm gonna be able to get a ticket as a walk-up because theaters aren't sold out left and right. And we're gonna be able to see the film. And it tells so, me our
4: predictions about this movie doing better than people anticipate. I think we're on track right. for that.
3: I think I th- I think that it's gonna do I think it's gonna do better than even the thirty million project projection. I think it'll get to the Maybe the forty to fifty five million dollar range, which is not a terrible. If it does that, you know, Warner Brothers in DC should be doing a happy dance because of what they projected out. So we'll we'll see. So I don't know if it'll get to the seventy five that that Tunny you know is predicting, but we'll see. Um, you know, uh, and maybe we yeah, you know, it's too bad we didn't ask Ray so that he could then tell me about how he called it. Uh, I think Tunny's right
4: long-term I don't know about opening weekend but it'll definitely get to 75 by the time it's done oh I
3: think it, I think it'll I think it'll top 75 mil I think it'll get close to 100 mil uh if not over the 100 million dollar mark again it could be just a as you said a projected protracted word of mouth also remember august is the downturn of theater uh and, and films like your release schedule really starts to end in july because august is when school starts back up. So summer vacations are over. People won't push for that big summer movie release the way that they do in June, July, and May now. May, June, July. That's really when the tentpole films. this isn't supposed to be a tentpole movie for, for DC or WB. This is supposed to be a foundational piece in that in-between that you talk about. So I think anything over 30, which is the projection, is going to make James Gunn D.C. and Warner Brothers very, very happy. And it should. So, all right, that's going to do it. This is a tightly run, clipped episode of Bandwagon Nerds. Before we get out of here, though, fellas, tell people how to find you on the socials and on the Chairshot Radio Network. This week, we will start with Mr. David Ongar.
4: Yeah, you can, uh, of course, as you know, if we, if the show's too short for you today and we've pissed you off. Then by all means, send your hate tweets to at it's me, Why, Tunny because
0: uh, yeah, fuck that
4: guy. And even Mr. O'Dowd is agreeing with that. Fuck that guy mantra right now. But as for me on, as Patrick has taught me the X Twitter, it is at attitude. Ag, that is at attitude. A G G Facebook dash slash meta or whatever the hell that's going to turn into Uh facebook.com slash attitude of aggression. Yes. Go there. Have fun.
3: PC Tunny. I've
0: tried to secure as many social medias at PC Tunny, so just go ahead right over there. More importantly, Chairshot Radio Network, all of your favorite streaming platforms. Check it out. We got sports. We got entertainment. We got sports entertainment. I can tell you, uh, Chairshot NFL will be back uh, the last Thursday of August,
4: and uh, we'll see who shows up. Not the Dallas Cowboys, because they never show up, but...
0: Art knocks. I'm watching, too. It's pretty good.
3: Bear down, Chicago Bears. We're the pride and joy of Illinois. All right. Anyway, you can follow me on the X Twitter at Wrestling Realist at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can also follow me on threads at the same handle. You can follow me on the gram at the same. Follow Bandwagon Nerds on the X Twitter as well at Bandwagon Nerds. Uh, I'm on the Chair Shot Radio Network every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Monday, talking nerdy stuff with you guys. Tuesday, talking hockey or musical chairs. Very excited for tomorrow's musical chairs. I like the choices that Dave and I came up with this week. So, and Tony's happy because it means he doesn't have to throw something up on the Chair Shot Radio Network because Dave's going to do it. Um, but, you know, as the real kingpin of the Chair Shot Radio Network, it's, you know, it's what he does. Helps us out. Uh, and then on Wednesdays, you can catch me on the Craig Demarco Show with the kingpin of the Chairshot Radio Network, Greg Demarco. This, however, is going to do it for our edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Thank you, everyone, for listening. now. Get yourself out of the bay, get some sun, and find some better headlines because I'm sorry about this week. I just had nothing. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network on the Chairshot.com. Burger? No, a cheeseburger. I want a hot dog. I want a milkshake. I want potatoes. You'll chips. get nothing, and
5: like it. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty-nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty-nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today